when you arrive to that moment that you realize you've stepped into what you were always meant to do is a beautiful emotional thing. Welcome to Working Women Mentor, a podcast that empowers everyday women like you, like me, to share and learn from life's mentor moments. I am your host, Rainey Alpers, and in each episode, you will meet inspiring women that understand the power of recognizing mentor moments and how those moments can change it all. These fabulous women are here and ready to share it all with you. So let's dive in. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Working Women Mentor. I'm your host, Rainey Alfers, and in today's episode, I have one question for you. How would you change the world? How would you make it a better place if you could do one thing? We get to meet Elise Maslonic. She's the CEO and founder of Redefine Advisors, and she is doing just that on her own terms. This episode is incredibly inspiring because it not only shares her story of what she's doing so wonderfully well, it also helps us think, what would we do? What are we passionate about? And how do you continually focus on just that one thing and make that happen? She has started a scholarship, Triumph Over Tragedy, that she believes in, she invests her own money in, and she's on a mission to make sure underprivileged kids get a great education. So in today's episode, just be thinking about you, what you're doing, and how to look around the community as well and see what's out there and who we can all help. Let's jump in and meet Elise. Here we go. Elise Maslamic, I'm Rainey Alpers. Thank you so much for joining us on Working Women Mentor today. It's so fun to have you learn about what you're working on and your mentorship. So happy to have you. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay, will you, in your own words, just warm us up, tell us all about you and introduce yourself to our audience? Sure. So my name is Elise Maslanik. I am the founder and CEO of Redefine Advisors. We are an outsourced development company for private schools across the U.S. that help schools raise financial aid and scholarships for underprivileged children so that they can attend and afford tuition at their private schools. And then we help with enrollment marketing and lead generation for private schools to help them grow enrollment. So you have a journey with some humble beginnings and you're wanting to shape your future and essentially some other young people out there, these kids, their futures as well. So are there some key moments in your life that were turning points that shaped where you are now? Absolutely. So this company was really developed from my lived experience. When I was a child, I grew up poor. We had a very abusive stepfather and just not a really good home to grow up in. And I was falling through the cracks at my public school, just kind of seen as a defiant child that no one wanted to invest in, which I understand because I was that child that asked why. And, you know, I'm going through a lot as a child, but I was really not doing well at my public school. And I ended up receiving what's called a tax credit scholarship. And that is in certain states, the state budget provides for tax credits for taxpayers to make a donation to a scholarship organization for underprivileged kids. And in return, they receive a certain percentage back on their tax liability. So I received one of those whenever I was younger, and it really changed my life. And it was a catalyst to a lot of change. It put me on a different path to be successful. And when I looked back, I realized so many people don't realize that this is an opportunity and 
that they can also participate. So what if I had this crazy idea? What if we brought this mainstream, right? And really got the word out so we had more participants, more scholarship, and giving more opportunities to the underprivileged kids in our state. So that's why I developed Redefine Advisors. And the first school that signs my company, my first client, was the school that gave me the scholarship as a child. What a full circle. It's so interesting because it's an awareness piece as well. Like I'm in Texas. I don't know what our tax credit is for that specifically, but I can tell you that the more you're aware of those things and how you can help, and even if it's small or large, but your company is actually helping people help people, talking about what's out there and already available. But it sounds like you're the conduit to get those things to happen. Yes, that's so funny that you say that because we always refer to ourselves as like the outside glue between the scholarship organizations and the taxpayer because the scholarship organizations, they don't have the staff because they don't make a lot to have people go out and spread the word. And then taxpayers, they're not really searching for it because it's confusing. It's taxes, right? So we realized that there needed to be some inside company or staff to help connect those two. Yeah. And and let's face it, if someone hears the word taxes, we just start slowly shutting down and, and dying inside, right? It's something that we don't usually attribute to being a positive thing. And so it's something that you're taking and explaining to people, introducing to people and making that more of a positive. I think it's incredible. And so once this positive really becomes an, a scholarship and becomes a way to educate someone, then we start thinking about breaking that generational cycle of poverty. What's been your experience or even an experience with the kids that you're helping that you're seeing that poverty gap change, that break from where they are to where they're going? Yeah, so I think it's two-sided. So for myself, public school is wonderful. What I do is not against public education. It's so necessary and so important, and it works for hundreds of millions of kids across the U.S., but one size does not fit all. And so what I learned is for me, I did have potential, but no one really saw it because no one really peeled back those layers of my life and realized like, no wonder she's kind of angry. Look what's happening in her life. And she just needs love and she needs hope, right? So me being able to go to a school that had faith built into the curriculum really made a difference for me. That was very important in my life and gave me hope in a time where I didn't have any. And it changed the way that I was able to soak in the education that I was being offered. Because in public school, I didn't have that foundation. I didn't have hope. And so I'm like, why do I pay attention? This is meaningless. My life is ruined. It's going to stay in the same cycle. So why even strive? Whereas when I had that hope, I was more open to learning and growing. But for these kids, it's really the same thing. So we work with many religious schools, but the tax credits are for entrepreneurial schools or that are not affiliated with faith at all. So the really great thing is at the end of the day, kids all have their talents. And sometimes the public school system does not have those resources for them to develop into their what I say is their God-given talent, right? And we need to be cultivating that. So it's not fair that a rich or wealthy family have the tool to seek out that educational system that will cultivate their child's talents, but a poor family does not have those tools. 
So that is why I do what I do. It gives those families that may have a lower income, that may be struggling, they deserve the right to an education that lifts up their talent just as much as the wealthy and rich families. It is really cool to watch us level the playing field on a mass scale and bring equity to education. And I'm a product of public school. So I went to public schools growing up. My family could not have probably afforded private school at the time. With my son now, he went to a public school for first through fourth grade. It was a great public school, in fact. It had these unique programs and it was wonderful dual language and all these special effects. Wonderful people. But he was still a little bored. He was still a little under-challenged. He was still not using his God-given talents, if you will. And he's now in a private school where he gets to use those and he's getting to develop those. And there's a difference. And you're right. His school that he came from is wonderful. It can work for a lot of people. But for him specifically, he needed something different. How did the school choose you when you were younger? Did someone go and apply for you? Because a lot of times in a poor family, in an underprivileged family, they don't know that they can go apply. So how did that happen? I'm curious. So what's interesting, yeah, so like 25 years ago, it just happened by chance. I was doing so bad in school that my mom was like, someone help me. And we had been visiting church and one of the pastors had said like, hey, I think you could apply and get one of these scholarships. So that's what did it. But your point is so right. So many families just automatically disqualify themselves, thinking like we can't afford it. They don't believe that there's going to be enough financial aid for it to make it affordable. And the truth is, oftentimes that's wrong and they need to apply. So that's what we do when it comes to enrollment is so we raise all this scholarship money so that it's there. And then we start doing enrollment marketing to let all of these families know that it's there and they're able to get these funds. So when you're marketing the funds, do you go to the area around that location? I mean, is it more geo mapping sort of who's around the school? For these scholarships, a family's income has to be below a certain amount based on how many dependents they have. So we are able to target based on demographics of income. So what we do is we will pull anyone that's below that income range, right, that could qualify for financial aid around the zip codes that they currently pull students from, that they have busing provided for them. And that's how we send it out. So we know that we are targeting those families that are in that financial position that may not believe that they can afford it, but we're really speaking to that financial aid aspect. So let's talk a little bit about fundraising. We chatted before the podcast about it, and I'm intrigued. What is that like for you? Do you find money other than just the tax credit? Uh, no, not really. We focus fully on the tax credit. And what's interesting is like we do run into people that we talk to them about the tax credit. They're like, well, of course, like if I have to spend taxes, I'd rather send them right to these kids. And then they end up giving cash donations. But we don't oversee that. We just refer them directly to the school development office. But to where we get these donations, we really start with the parent community. So we have a huge Zoom meeting with all the parents of all the students. And but they have a church that's affiliated, like the parish members, church members, any business owners. We invite all of them onto this Zoom. And then we give a presentation about the tax credit and how when they give, they can get back. Right. So it's a win win. And we walk them through step by step how to do it. Our entire staff is there after the Zoom for them to reach out like on a one on one basis to walk them through, get their application, all of those things. and then. 
At the end of the year, they get approved for the tax credit. They write their contribution. All of the students get all of that money. And then the donor gets back in our state 90% in a tax credit. When you wow. give in Pennsylvania, for example, like I give my old school $10,000 a year. Do you know how much that actually cost me in Pennsylvania? The true cost for me as a taxpayer to give $10,000, it actually cost me $630. That's it. But it helps the school. It gives that student $10,000. Yes. That's an incredible exchange rate in education. <laughs> and you look at big businesses that are paying like hundreds of thousands of dollars in taxes. For $100,000, if you do it right, it could cost you $6,300 to give $100,000 worth of scholarships and opportunities to kids in your area where you have your businesses. I mean, it is a no-brainer. I think so, too. So if I'm not in Pennsylvania or not where you're operating or not receiving mailers on this, how can someone listening go out and find potentially these tax credits in their own state? Yeah. So, well, first of all, we will be in your state soon. Um, <laughs> yes, you will. Good, good. Yeah. So we entered into Georgia. Montana is something I go in August to look at that. So we will be there soon enough. But in the interim, honestly, just a simple Google search to say educational tax credits in whatever state you live in, enter. And it will give you the government website. And like in Georgia, it's a hundred percent tax credit. So for every dollar they give, they get a dollar in tax savings. So it is an even exchange. They're not losing anything. Wow. So you're having to stay up on tax legislation and credits around the country, it sounds like, to be looped in and to know where to pivot next or who you can help next. Yeah, absolutely. So I am not a CPA which is interesting, right? We don't give individual tax advice, but we work with accountants that we have on retainer. So anyone that has like specific tax advice, that's not just the step-by-step how to sign up for the tax credit. We send them over to our accountants on retainer. They help walk them through any tax related issues, but you're right. We work politically. We keep up with all of the tax law, all of those things. We have knowledge of it, but I'm not certified, so I don't speak about it. And I leave that to the professional. But yes, and my team, we we study that and push to make sure that it's these. Stay up to date. <laughs> yes, yes. Soon you'll have your own lobbyist on staff. That's my goal. Yes, <laughs> I think you will. So I'm curious, you've learned a lot about fundraising and you do it in a unique way because it's very focused on this tax credit. But that doesn't take away the fact that you're learning how to do this and what to get people to respond to, to give. So what advice would you give to someone listening who is maybe looking to fundraise for potentially their own business, for a cause at their church or their school or something that they feel passionate about? One of the biggest things that I think has made me and our business successful is, so I worked with this woman, Brooke, a previous development company, and her and I, we raised money. She was my first hire whenever I started my company. And we're both just moms, right, that have been affected by tax credit scholarships. So her daughter was affected and was able to, you know, get out of a school where she was being bullied. And so she was really passionate and we're both moms. And here we are, like, trying to sell a tax credit program to parents. So the biggest piece of advice is do not pitch it from your perspective. Pitch it from who you're talking to. What does it mean to them? And I think so often as a business owner, you could be like, look, my business is going to do this and it's going to allow me to do this. So what? 
Like the person listening to you, majority of the time, they don't necessarily care. They want to know if I do this, how is that going to make me feel? What results can I see? What's the impact that I can have? What do I need to do to make this happen? What's the commitment? All of those things need to be touched upon instead of just giving it from your view. Step into the person's shoes that you're talking to and how it's going to really affect them. Yeah, that's great advice because I can imagine it's probably easy from a lower level to walk in and go, yeah, don't you see this works? We, we went, we used it. We've got kids who are using it. Like, why aren't you doing this? There's a little bit more to it than that. There's an art to it. There is an art to understanding it. And I like how you remind us that it does matter how people feel when they're doing this. We want to feel good giving. We want to feel passionate about what we're doing. And that spreads the word too. truly believes that. I imagine there's one families that you've worked with that have taken advantage of the credit and told their friends and family about it too. And now we've got the whole neighborhood giving. Yes, it's so cool. And one of the other things that I would give advice on is use your story. Not only talk to them about what happens when they do give, but what's the reality if they don't? And the reality for me in my life is if I didn't get that tax credit scholarship and have hope and love in my life in a time that I really needed it, I may not be here today. So I think that that is so important to not only give them the perspective and the good feeling of, hey, this is what can happen, but this is what could happen if a student that really needs it doesn't get it. This is the true reality, you know? And so I think that is using your story honestly, openly, and just sharing your experience has made all the difference. Like I said, we raised a good amount of money at our previous company, but I never shared my story. And Brooke never shared her story. And now we share and own our truth and people really connect with it. Yeah, I can absolutely see that. So I am glad you are here with us today. But you <laughs> you said you said I would never be here today. And I'm so glad you are because as a mentor, how are you guiding women or giving them advice when they make a career shift? Because we can't forget that you didn't start here today with your company. How did that shift work for you? And what advice would you give to others? One of the things that I've been very picky about or very strong-willed about is making sure that I had the right people on my team, especially as a startup, right? Those initial team members are so vital to your success. And you have to match personalities and have people that are adaptable and that can flow and move and shake in any way that the mission takes you. Because when you start, you have a business plan, right? And you map it all out and you think this is the way it's going to go. And sometimes it doesn't go that way, right? So you need to have a very adaptable staff and people that are honest with you. For me, before I started my company, I grew tired of always striving to make everyone else's lives better. Right. And like then everyone else would own that productiveness. I would work and work and work. That benefit. Yes. I used to work at a bank and the CEO picked me as his mentee. Wonderful opportunity. So many people applied, but he did ultimately pick me from my application. And I remember going through that mentorship and here he is a CEO of a $10 billion company. And he said, you really have the ability to see things from a bird's eye view that not a lot of people do. And because I'm going through all these finances and I'm showing him holes where their incentive plans don't necessarily make sense because they're incentivizing loss, even though it looks good on paper and all of these different things. And the moment that he said that to me, I realized if he thinks him running a $10 billion company and thinks that I have what it takes to 
see things from this perspective. I really need to listen to that. And then I left that bank, worked at the development company, and I realized this is my story that I'm selling here like for someone else. It's for someone else. And there's just other opportunities and better things that I want to accomplish. And I don't want to accomplish it under someone else's name and someone else's leadership. I want to be able to steer that boat to this mission. And so, yeah, it was really his advice or just that statement that really stuck with me and me feeling very caged in all of my life. Like I always felt so boxed in in every position. And it's nice that you receive the feedback too, because so often we get it, but we don't hear it. We dismiss it. And I think for you to even just pay attention to it, and maybe it didn't even sting you that day. I believe that when it happens later, it's because we've always known it ourselves. We just needed a reminder for someone to see that within us. Yes, it was really exciting. I actually set out, um, I love writing and I love like emotional inspiring writing. And for this application, I was like, I don't think anyone's going to take this as seriously to get like the CEO. There was all of these mentors, right? But I was like, I'm going to get to the CEO because I was having this feeling like so boxed in that I was meant to do other things. And so I thought I need him to like run ideas by and see if I'm crazy and see if I'm thinking the, the way that he thinks, right? And it was just very interesting. But yeah, take those leaps. And when someone tells you that it's possible and that you have what it takes, believe them, believe them. So on that note of mentorship, what is your mentor moment, Elise, that you'd like to share with us today? Yeah, I think um, for me, the most important piece of advice or mentorship that I could provide to someone is, again, believing in yourself and understanding that we all have what it takes inside of us. Like whatever we are truly meant to do, we are designed and we have those skills in us, right? It might be really hard and we might have buried them and doubted ourselves, but the reality is we have it and we have that capability to make it happen. And it's just been a really cool experience to share this journey alongside Brooke, who I started with and just watching her life grow and watching her develop into like such a strong leader and such a strong businesswoman when that was never her background, has been so cool to see her just flourish. And all of the companies that she worked at before that paid her little amounts, you know, but she was worth all of this. It is really cool to watch women really grow and develop. And once they have the confidence in themselves, I love watching that journey. Yeah, I do too, by the way. I think it's beautiful when you see other people flourish because usually it also means that you're around the right people that you must be giving to that as well. You know, it's a great energy when everyone's growing and it is beautiful to watch. Do you see in yourself that belief happening now? Meaning, is it all sort of coming to a culmination since where you started to where you are now with your company and the impact you're making? Is this now when you're starting to realize that, oh, yeah, this is what I'm really good at? When did that bell go off for you? Yeah. So it's so interesting. I officially incorporated my business in September of 2021. In January of 2023, so a few months later, I signed my first big contract, quarter of a million dollars, and I was able to hire every single person from my old development company. And from that, we raised eight and a half million dollars in our first year. And that's the moment that I realized this is what I meant to do. And I think, you know, my God, every day that I felt so uncomfortable in my skin 
before I started this company, it, it was a year-long thought process. And I just kept saying, this is the wrong time. This is a crazy idea. And I just wouldn't listen to it. And I just thank the world that this was something that made me feel so uncomfortable and forced me to do it. Because when you arrive to that moment that you realize you've stepped into what you were always meant to do, it's still to this day, I'm driving in my car and I'm like, get emotional. I have tears in my eyes. Like, wow, it feels so good. I felt like my whole life I was searching for what I was supposed to do and feeling lost and alone and feeling like a misfit. And to arrive at a place where you feel like I belong here is a beautiful emotional thing. You're a great example of that. And I love that story. You've arrived, (laughs) but you're not finished yet. I mean, you still am. Let's not let's not finish your story there. Right. You are involved in the scholarship uh, Triumph Over Tragedy. Would you share a little bit about that with us and what that means? We'd love to know more. Sure. Yes. Triumph Over Tragedy was always a lifelong dream of mine to give a hand up to students that have remained resilient in the face of adversity and that have lived similar paths to mine but have always held that little glimmer of light in their heart that they could turn it all around and make the world a better place. So I've always wanted to give the tool to those kids because they're the ones that are going to change the world for us. You know, like we need to find them and give them the tools because the ones that have overcome and have remained resilient, they're the ones we need in leadership. So Chimer Tragedy, what we do is obviously we're a for-profit company, but I put a whole bunch of my profit into funding those scholarships just personally every year. I open up the applications January 1st every year, the deadline's April 1st, and they just have to go onto our website, redefiningeducation.org, a 500-word essay telling us about their story, where they're going to go, either to college or trade school, wherever they feel like they need to go, by the way. It's not just college. I'm a great supporter of college, but like if you want to go to trade school and that's what you feel, like we will help you and follow that dream. It's been really cool. We just gave five recently, like in the last week. I watched as I received a note just yesterday from someone that was sitting beside the mom of a student that we gave a scholarship to. And then like last year, this student, his brother accidentally shot himself while he was playing with a gun and they found him and it was the saddest saddest thing and when he was awarded the scholarship that the note said when I received it I was sitting beside his mom and she was crying happy tears that not only did the student need it but the family needed it I get emotional about it because it is those moments that you know that family was the entire family not just student was but like mom could you imagine and to watch her son receive the triumph over tragedy scholarship her other son her remaining son, ah, an emotional time. And so it is really cool to see that it is inspiring other people, not just the students, but they have something to hold on to, to say, yes, I went through a tragedy, but look what I got because of it. Not just a pat on the back, but I earned a scholarship because I remained resilient. And I hope that they always, if nothing else, look back and say, resilience gets you something. Resiliency gets you something. It certainly does. Is this scholarship something that you actually have designed or are you contributing to another company? No, I I designed it. Yes. Yep. It's such a full circle with what you're doing because not only are you finding people that can donate, get the tax credit, essentially it helps everyone, but you're also helping everyone because you're saying, hey, if there may not be something out there for you and you've also had this particular type of background, 
we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to help as much as we can. And so do you have people that are donating to this particular fund? I know you said you don't really raise a lot of outside money. Is this only through your profit? Yeah, so it's only through my profits right now. I'm really looking forward to grow that. It has been just so personal to me and it makes me feel like I'm making my mark on the world and leaving behind the legacy and building that legacy that I've always wished for so that when I'm gone, my impact remains. So it's always been something that I didn't, not necessarily want, but didn't need anyone else to contribute to because I knew that I was going to give it my all. But with people's excitement over it and what it means for them, we did just file for 501c3 so that other people can contribute and be tied to this. Because let's face it, there are so many people that have been through such trauma or have triumphed over such tragedy. And this gives them the opportunity to feel good that they're, you know, passing that hope on to someone else when they made it through themselves. Yeah. And it does broaden your impact as well. I mean, this is all started because of you. And you're putting this together. And so that's very exciting for you to be able to open your doors, if you will, and let people into this very personal charity that you have. So as the CEO of your company, though, you have these unique insights into the roles of what children are going through, what schools are going through, parents. You're looking at a lot of different sectors often. What are some mentorship practices that you have in your own company or that you can give to others when you're talking with them about their enrollment or how to help those in their community? Yeah, so I think some of the mentorship that we do like specifically is with our team, each one person has like their own teammate, if that makes sense, in our company. So someone that's newer and then someone that has, you know, been alongside the journey for a while. And that has really helped, I think, give those perspectives. So Brooke and I, we are still a smaller company. So we are able to spend time with every single one of our staff. And we really talk about what is your personality? What, like what makes you happy in work? If you have to be at the office eight hours a day, what is going to make you happier like in your work to do? right? And what are your strengths? Because the last thing, and I tell this to schools too, like when it comes to your admin, your principal needs to be someone different than a teacher or your business manager needs to be someone that has a different personality than a teacher or a principal, right? Like they all need to be different and you need to very much focus on people's strengths, not just do they seem good at it? Because if someone's good at it, that's wonderful. But you need someone that loves it because someone who loves it will continue to love it and will end up being good at it. You know what I mean? Because they're going to figure out a way to make it better. So like I always look for passion. Number one thing is because you can't teach it. That's right. You cannot teach passion. <laughs> you cannot. Yeah, I, it's you're right. You have to analyze the weaknesses too. But a lot of times they're even looking at where someone is weak and we're all weak, right? It's not a, not a negative thing, but through the weaknesses, it helps you narrow in and find what they are good at and what they are excited about. And that only benefits both of you. I mean, no one wants to do something every day that they just don't enjoy. That can only sustain for so long. And so, yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. So I know that you work very tightly with your team. I love that you pair people together. I've talked with other women about their companies, and that seems to be something common where if you can 
get into a group of different levels of experience, no matter if you're in a very large corporation or if you're in a smaller business, it's the difference in where they are in their career, the tenure, the field in the company, the area of focus in the company. But that variety is what I hear the most. And that variety is, seems to be what really resonates to people when they feel like they need a group to go to. They know who to go to. They know the person because they've been there before. That's so true. I always say the other big piece is, especially when you're looking for business development, like where to go next, what to do, what's the best path. It is so important to have people that have different ideas than you or like different strengths, right? So I always say I am, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Colby Index, but if not, I always suggest people take it and have their teams take it. I am that vision. I'm not the implementer, right? So I'll give you the idea, but then I need someone to help me design the logistics. And so the really cool thing is in that mentorship and in those meetings, you have someone that may be the front end, right? And then you have this back end and that meeting of the minds always leads from my experience to like wonderful, wonderful output. Yeah. Collaboration is beautiful. So Elise, we ask all of our guests to text a friend, reach out to someone and ask them to share a little bit about you. How would they describe you in their own words? It is from my one friend in high school. And she said, how am I supposed to, how am I supposed to explain you? You go above and beyond and put other, other people first. And we appreciate everything that you do. I hope whoever you're talking to understands that your mission will always come first and you'll change this world. I love you. Aw. Yay, that is really sweet. And I love that she's been a friend for that long. So she's probably watched a lot of the misfit in you and a lot of the mission driven, right? They're not too far apart. It just depends on what path you're on. Yes, it's so funny. We have been friends since the sixth grade. She's the only friend I've ever kept an eye because I moved 13 times in my life. Like I moved so much. And so I never really had like a home base. But she's been the one friend that has endured through everything. And she's really special to me. That's really fun. Elise, thank you. Where can everyone find you? And we're going to put some show notes and some links and things like that in our episode. But I know that they're going to want to follow your journey. Sure. Yeah. So LinkedIn is one of the biggest social medias that I use all the time, Elise Mislanik. And then redefiningeducation.org is our website. That's really wonderful. And then, um, yeah, so LinkedIn. And what's really cool, I don't know if you know this, but I am currently writing a memoir. So that will be released at the end of this year. So everyone can keep in touch. It's really cool to follow the journey of like how you kind of turn lemons to lemonade and give back and bring something full circle. Yeah, I can't wait to read the book. That's going to be so fun. You'll have to please let us know about that once it drops so we can give it a plug and share with everyone. Very exciting. I really appreciate you joining us today, Lisa. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode. I hope you'll walk away feeling inspired and are thinking of how a mentor moment can help you or someone you know. In case you haven't hit the follow button to subscribe to this show, please do so. And if you love the episode, I'd really appreciate a review. You see, this review helps Apple or Spotify or whatever platform you're listening to us on 
Know that other women just like you want to learn about the show and it'll help us spread the word. Let's connect on Instagram at Working Women Mentor or at Rainy Alfers. You can find all episodes online at rainyalfers.com forward slash podcast and the ability to send an audiogram of your favorite mentor moments. And we respond to everyone. I truly can't wait to hear from you. Check back weekly for new episodes and cheers until the next episode.